0: E-S-N-Y
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind. I'm your host, Danny Small, back after uh, not being on for a little while, but uh, my co-hosts have held it down in the meantime. I'm here with Chip Murphy today. We have a very special guest coming over from Pod Strickland, and he's a contributor at the Strickland, we have Stacy Patton. If you're a Knicks fan on Twitter, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you know who Stacy is, and we're really excited to have him in and talk some draft stuff today. So, Stacy, how's it going? Doing well, yeah. I'm
0: flattered. I, I don't know if uh, <laughs> as many guys on Nick's Twitter knows me as you guys, but um, glad to be here and glad to uh, glad to talk uh, talk some draft and Knicks
1: with uh, with you and Chip. Yeah, so I mean, I was. We were just talking about it before the show, which is like a podcasting cliche. I've already, I've already hit my first one. Like, oh, we were talking about it before the show. <laughs> Take um, a drink, right? But <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but so we're basically just going to kind of dive into some of the prospects at pick eleven um, for the Knicks, and I think one of the obviously Knicks fans would love to have the first pick in the draft move up to top four, or whatever. Like that would have been Mark Tatum, right? Yeah, exactly. Mark Tatum, he's in uh, every Knicks fan's nightmares forever. Um, but obviously that would be the ideal scenario. But I guess for us as kind of like podcasters and guys who are just, you know, live live and breathe the Knicks, being at 11 is interesting because there's so many different ways that the draft could shake out. And there are so many different guys who could wind up at that 11th pick, either a guy falling or even the Knicks being kind of like a team that, Goes out of nowhere and takes somebody who maybe people had him lower on their boards. So I think it's a really interesting spot in the draft at eleven. And I guess the way we can kind of just start this, um, and we'll start with you, Stacy, is who is the one guy kind of on your board right now that I don't know. Maybe he's a little bit lower for some people, or maybe he's higher for others. Who's the one guy that you're kind of like honing in on um, at that eleventh pick for the Knicks here, and even maybe. Maybe that's a bad question. Maybe, is there a guy there? There is one guy for me, but there's
0: a couple of like one, a one B guys, especially with recent news. Uh, I think the guy just based on everything we've heard for a long time uh, is Johnny Davis for me. Um, But two other guys, I think that could fall that I don't think has been talked about as much at 11 because it's, doesn't seem likely they'll fall are AJ Griffin and Shaden Sharp, but um, of the most realistic guys and a guy who gets mocked to us a lot, it is Johnny Davis
1: for me. So what what's what's kind of the one thing that stands out about Davis for you? Obviously, he had like a you know Big Ten Player of the Year. He had a really nice year at uh, Wisconsin and kind of like turned some heads there. But at least I guess for fit with the Knicks, what's what's the thing that stands out the most for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's three-level scoring. Yeah. Um, I think that um, it, their Knicks are in an interesting spot where they have young talent at pretty much every position. Um, even, I mean, Mitch might leave, Mitchell Robinson might leave, but even at center, you have a guy in Jericho Sims who showed some promise. I don't know if he's ready to be, I don't think he's ready to be a full-time starter yet, mm-hmm. but his improvement was very uh, dramatic. Um, you know, at the four, you Ob. Uh, At the wings, where I do think the Knicks are a little light, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but uh, you have Cam and RJ, and then even everyone, you know, the the constant theme for what seems like forever is we need a point guard. The Knicks have a few guys there, so I don't think they need to take a, a point guard for the sake of taking a point guard, but one thing, the two things I think the Knicks are missing are, like, freakish wings. So, yes, RJ is a wing. Yes, Quentin Grimes can guard threes, And I like both those guys as prospects, but you watch Toronto, you watch a team like Boston and the the kind of success they're having in the playoffs. They have these six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys. who can guard two through four, one through four. They can put the ball on the floor. They can do other things. And we've been through many free agencies and the Knicks will sign guys like Evan Fournier. They'll sign guys like Alec Burks, but that guy is tough to find. And that's where I think you really want to capitalize in the draft. So I know I just mentioned that. I'm talking about Johnny mm-hmm. Davis now. But the other thing is three level, true three-level scoring. And quickly improved a lot at the rim. Still not really his forte. RJ doesn't really have a mid-range game or a pull-up game. Um, and you know Obi is, is a terrific... Obi can really get buckets, but he's not really a self-creator in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they need a guy like that in Johnny Davis. So that's the first thing that sticks out is... He is very adept at getting to the rim, certainly better than most of the guys the Knicks could get there. Like, besides Ivy, I would say there's not really a guard in the draft who can get to the rim like that. Adds um, has a real mid range pull up game. I think on like he's kind of like a bizarro Quentin Grimes because on defense, they're very similar as like guys that are ideally two guard size, but they're so strong, have such a high motor and great instincts that they can guard threes. And on offense, he's kind of the opposite of Quentin Grimes, or Quentin Grimes is this awesome, mm-hmm. terrific shooter who can move, uh, really intelligent, uh, not to say Davis isn't, but great off ball, but can't really do much in the paint yet. And Davis is – he's a good spot-up shooter, but the three-point shooting isn't there yet. Um, but he's terrific at getting to his spots. He can finish at the rim. His athleticism is a real little bit underrated, I think partly because he had Wisconsin on the jersey instead of you know Kentucky <laughs> or something. I think that's fair, yeah. I saw you
2: tweet about that. I think you're a hundred percent right about that. The stigma around Wisconsin is gonna hurt him. I think it's and, really and his spacing silly. was
0: was bad because they really didn't have like they won the Big Ten. And it yeah. was pretty talented. And they and he, he dropped, I think, like 37 and 14 on Ivy. Um, so he has the production. And the last thing I'll mention with Davis, and you know, I'll open it up to you guys. I've talked for a bit, but the last thing I'll mention on Davis is he really fits the mentality they seem to have like if you like. Um, you know, they, we talk about the need for vets and for veteran leadership and a big clash among Knicks fans uh, is kind of, you know, wanting to play the young guys more. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that kind of maybe people don't talk about as much is how much the young guys have become leaders of this team, particularly quickly in RJ and they're guys you have to keep out of the gym. And that's everything you hear about Johnny Davis. Like he is, um, you see him play on the floor on defense, you see his attention to detail. Um, and you see what he was not a very heralded prospect, um, out of high school, you know, had a, a solid rookie, uh, freshman year and then had a massive improvement. And I think he would fit in very well culturally. Um, and he would, you know, lock in right on the defense. He's, I mean, I think lots of people say this, he's very much a Tibbs guy in terms of his motor and all that. And then he also adds the element of three level scoring, which for all the young talent the Knicks have, they don't quite have a guy who can do that yet, which you need in the playoffs as, as we're seeing. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I... go ahead, Jim. Oh,
1: go ahead. Dan. Go ahead. Yeah, I
2: was <laughs> probably going to say the same thing as you. Were...
1: Yeah. We're usually on the same wavelength there, yeah. but um, yeah, I think your, your point about Davis being a three level scorer, like it, it's one of those things I like I've had in, you know, scouting reports I've written about guys. Like it's one of the things I like I look to highlight because as you said, you know, RJ is kind of still working on his mid range a little bit. Quentin Grimes isn't necessarily a guy who goes into the paint finishes quickly as great as he is as a three point shooter. And then like with his float game and all that, he's still got some work to do at the rim. So a guy that you can, you know, really just give the ball to and you know six seconds left on the shot clock and say hey you know we need something go get yours I think that's something that the Knicks are obviously still clearly missing out on and you can even go back to the playoff series with uh, Atlanta that was you saw just kind of how playoff defense once it ratcheted up a little bit you saw kind of how the Knicks were exposed a little bit in that area and obviously I don't think any of us think Davis is going to come in and you know automatically be like a dominant scorer you know all-star and you know, take the Knicks in the playoffs and be the guy. But I think at 11, if you're looking at him and you you see some of those traits that he could develop into, because he's still very young, he's strong. Like you said, he's a good defender, better athlete than people give him credit for. It's like you start seeing more and more of that, and it's like, okay, if he's there at 11, I think that would make a lot of sense for the Knicks. Isn't he,
2: is there a good chance he's gone by 11, though? Because it's, he,
1: po- I mean, yeah. it's definitely possible. Um, I know, to me, at least, Wizards seem like a decent fit for him. Um, There are a few teams above the Knicks, so if he falls and he's there at 11, obviously, I think that's a that's a that's a pick the Knicks might make if he's available there.
0: He's very Spursy, which is not yes very encouraging, too. but they do have a million guards, so that factors mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Um He reminds me a lot. I'll I'll throw this out. I don't know if you, but he, I think he has a higher ceiling, but he reminds me a lot of Josh Hart um he's he's a terrific defensive rebounder i think that's mm-hmm. and like not like stat chasing defensive rebounds but like just a, legitimately a very good rebounder especially for guard um and i think like i could see the pelicans being into him for that for what he b- brings right as well as um mm-hmm. but they have they have shot creation so who knows maybe they'll pass on him as well
2: i like the fact that he just we watched him do everything at wisconsin and he did it with yeah. a, a smile on his face like no complaints and he just kicked ass all year and like you said he he played on a team with a lot of pretty lousy offensive players and they were incredible in the bit they won the big 10 and you know they struggled in the ncaa tournament like they tend to do at wisconsin but I, I just i was he's the guy i want at 11 too he does a lot of things that we need for the team like the the stuff that Fournier was supposed to help the team with, and he was supposed to be more than just a, a shooter. And I think mm-hmm. he's capable of doing that. I'm not going to trash Evan Fournier on this podcast. It's also ever.
0: 31, and but, it's fair to question, yeah, mm-hmm. or 30 or whatever he is, but it's fair to question if that's like you can look up highlights of young Evan Fournier and he yes. could yam on dudes. Yeah. It's yeah. not happening anytime soon. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a more of a spot up shooter now and a really, really good one. Yeah, but I think the pulling up in the mid range and creating, which is more of what we were hoping for, more of that from Evan this year, I think that's something Johnny can just slot right in and do. And I, yeah, I, I think there's room for him to create on this team. And I think he'd be a steal at 11. But you mentioned AJ Griffin too. And yeah, it's funny, we were talking to Derek Murray from Basketball News, and he mentioned AJ Griffin possibly slipping to 11 because of, I don't know, something that happened at the combine, I guess. And it was more of, he said more of other guys moving ahead of him than because of him. And if, if he potentially slips to 11 and and Davis is still there, that's going to be a really hard decision for those two between those two prospects, because I know AJ Griffin has injury history and that's a concern of course. And Davis is probably a better defensive player at this point, but with, A.J. Griffin's body, and obviously he's already an elite shooter. Mm -hmm. I just feel like A.J. Griffin was boxed in at Duke into a specific role, and Paolo dominated the ball so much, and rightfully so. He was a great isolation player. But I think he can do more offensively already than he was doing at Duke. And I, I don't know, man. If they're both there, I think it'd be hard to pass up A.J. Griffin.
1: And I think go, that goes back to Stacy's point about how, like, the Knicks don't have these, like, freakish, you know, just athletic wings. And Griffin, yeah, maybe, thinking, yeah, maybe Griffin, are he's not the tallest or the longest guy he's in the not world, six eight,
2: yeah, but, but
1: he's a tank. I mean, and you obviously know he's got the NBA pedigree. Um, he's a local guy, again, like, again, I don't know how much, Tibbs guy, by the yeah, way. I don't Tibbs. know how much, yeah, I don't know how much they like stock they put into that, obviously, because you're born and you live in White Plains doesn't mean the Knicks should draft you. But it's just one of those things that you think about. Um, And then yeah, I mean, he's already like he's a elite three point shooter, what he shoot 45% at Duke mm-hmm. last year. Um, And if his shot creation comes around, he can go from being like one of those freakish three and D wings, um who can knock down threes and guard kind of two through four he goes from one of those guys where if he adds kind of like some shot creation then he turns into kind of like a legitimate i don't know maybe star is overselling it a little bit but you know you, i think you guys know where i'm where i'm going with that mm-hmm.
0: yeah i mean it's um first of all i i grew up in stanford so if uh i i sincerely hope that if you can grow up near new york city i wish that would mean you could get drafted because um <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> But, um, no, what I would say with Griffin – so there's a couple things. With the 3 and D, one of those things is very loud, and one of those Mm -hmm. things was downright bad at Duke. Yeah. Um, Which is related to what you were talking about with the athleticism, Danny. Um, And he's a weird prospect to me because if you look at who he was in high school and you have that level of shooting, uh, that player could be the best player in the draft that is a player that I would make a case needs to go top three. Um, and then if you look at him and he's this level of shooter, but the athleticism never comes back, he's probably not going to be a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably something like Buddy Healed if the shooting maintains. And to be clear, he is, it's not that he's a good, sh- like Benedict Matherin is a very good shooting prospect. A.J. Griffin is on another level, uh, just his production, like the, the pull-ups, he is an elite shooter. Um, and I think Buddy Heald, as like that, that is a very reasonable outcome. But without the defense, um, that's less intriguing. That's like Buddy Heald is like, I think Johnny Davis would be a better pick if that's what I'm looking at. But if I have the shot creation from high school, the athletic like he, he had above the rim athleticism in mm-hmm. high school, um, he is big and long. And if he gets that quickness back, he could be a really good defender. Um, So it's tough. It's like, it's weird because you're looking at him at his 11, which is not quite the average, but kind of a middle outcome between maybe 14 and three. But depending on how his athleticism grades out, I would either go something like 14 or 15 or three, right? Mm -hmm. So you're basically, you're just in the middle of that. Um, But I I think I agree with both of you that like the star upside, he has legit star upside. If you buy that, his athleticism from high school is going to come back. Because um, like a guy who can shoot like that, he does have ball handling ability. He can get his own shot. Uh, I do think part of it was Paolo. And then a lot, like, you know, in terms of his, not just Paolo, but even Trevor Keels is a talented yeah. guy they featured. Wendell Moore is a very talented shot creator, certainly at the college level. So that, that play, and we've seen that at places like Kentucky and Duke where mm-hmm. you have guys that pop a little bit more in the pros with better spacing and with more. Gary Trent
2: Jr. Barely did anything when he was yeah. at Duke.
0: Exactly. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's a decent comp for Griffin, especially since yeah. I don't think Gary Trent Jr. is that great as a defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the last thing I'll say also, um, I, Duke has had, I mean, I think I know Chip, you follow college pretty closely. Um, and I think Duke for a while has just been not great on defense. And yeah, a lot of their prospects come out as not great defenders RJ was a bad defender in college. He's been better than that in the pros. Jason Tatum, there's been guys who have said, you know, well, there was potential in college. I didn't think of much of him as a defender in college. He was a bad.
2: He was a bad defender in college. He yeah, was.
0: they they finished yeah. 86th in Ken Palm. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't put that all on one guy, but guys with like what Tatum is now as a defender, and granted, Boston deserves some credit for the development. Uh, that wasn't uh, that wasn't something I would have been comfortable projecting out of Duke. On the flip side, you have a guy like Zion, who was an elite defender at Duke
2: and yeah. isn't now. Um, but Zion's his own But I, I do just, wonder that his of- progression from what, whatever you want, regression from Duke to the NBA, is, yeah. is shocking. And defensively, mm-hmm. is just shocking. Yeah. Um. But I do
0: wonder if is there a thing with Duke in terms of defensive prospects? especially one and dones not really maybe embracing or or not embracing is the wrong word, but like developing defensively under coach K with only a year. You know, I think he has kind of a system, which probably is better for four year guys. You've seen how much Mark Williams improved. So maybe that's the thing, but maybe, you know, with more time, someone like Griffin will pop more on defense. And I think that applies to Paolo too, by the way, who Mm -hmm. I think probably has a lot more defensive ability than he showed. It's kind of like the opposite of the Kentucky bump, right? Where we talk about guys like, Booker, Hero, Shade Gillespie, Alexander, um, Quickly, um, who showed a lot more creation ability than they were allowed to display at Kentucky. I wonder if that's kind of a thing with, um, with Duke on defense. So that's and, another thing. And
2: Wendell Carter Jr. played with Brandon Ingram. And really, you, you saw the best of him when he got to the Orlando Magic, offensively and defensively, because he got to play in the post and play center on both ends. And it's, it just happens when you play with that much talent sometimes. And you're right about coach K and defensive prospects with the one and dunce. He just doesn't get the best on both ends out of those guys anymore. I think it's cause he just wasn't used to coaching those guys for so long. And then they came in and like, he just, he was old, man. He was old. And then and, like, and even
0: coach Cal struggles with that too, right? Like not all of the Kentucky uh, BJ Boston is a guy in LA who's mm-hmm. popped this year. And, you know, it didn't work for Calipari, right? It's it's not an easy
1: thing to ask for. No, guy.
0: yeah, so especially yeah,
1: like a guy who knows he's going to be at Kentucky or Duke for, you know, nine months or what you know whatever it is, and then yeah. you're going to be a lottery pick like next year. Kind of, I mean, you got to think these are eighteen, nineteen year old kids. Like getting those kids to buy in and be like play defense every single possession. Yeah. It's not exactly easy when yeah. uh, when they know, they know what's lying ahead for them.
2: Exactly. The year they won the championship Duke in 2015, he had Justice Winslow, who he didn't mm-hmm. need to go. He was just a great defender that year. And Tyce Jones was solid. But I mean, he ended up winning with Jaleel Okafor, which was mm-hmm. shocking. But yeah, it's he was the third best player on the on the third best NBA player on the team. But Saw that coming as a Duke fan watched him and saw, saw that coming a mile away. Was so happy the Knicks didn't take him.
0: <laughs> well, they didn't have the chance, so. Yeah, yeah,
2: so happy. <laughs>
0: I think Phil Jackson really liked, uh, liked the butt, right? That was Phil Jackson's Yeah, team,
2: so. <laughs> I don't yeah, know he, I If you don't, he, know, if he don't know
1: the why, Knicks, you man. Know 100% he, Phil Jackson was taking him.
2: Uh, you think so? I mean, Phil, I feel like Phil Jackson's, I mean, he did a lot of dumb shit, I guess, when he was with the Knicks, but I watched the local four get bullied. By Saint John's at the Garden, by Utah that, yeah. in the NCAA tournament, like by by Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament, I just saw it. You saw it coming if you watched him. Like he just couldn't guard anybody.
1: Yeah. So you I guess know, so that kind we, of we don't seg- need to go down. And yeah, I was more. gonna say Sorry. that. Sorry, <laughs> like that almost seg- segues because we kind of we hit a wing in Griffin, we hit kind of like a ball handler guard in Davis here, um, and I do, I do think to Stacey's earlier point. I think the Knicks are kind of spread out talent-wise in enough spots where you're not like, all right, we need a center or we need a point guard. We need this. I think they have some flexibility there. Um, so I guess if we're thinking about Mitchell Robinson possibly leaving, what are your guys' thoughts on Jalen Duran um, and if he were to fall to 11 there at the Knicks? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I think – I'm generally not a fan of, let me put it like this. It's not that I don't think centers are important. (laughs) Um, I'm not a fan of using, you know, someone who's probably going to be mostly a role man and a garbage man on offense and a rim protector on defense, using a lottery pick for that, especially in this draft where I think there's a few guys in the second round, a guy like Christian Coloco comes to mind who who Mm -hmm. might, he had a good combine. So he might sneak into the second half of the first round, but whether it's that whether it's signing a guy like Javale mcgee or something if that's what you want from the center position i think there's other ways to find that um i do think and Brun- uh, jalen brunson <laughs> freud didn't slip there right jalen yeah. Zarin, yeah. yeah big time uh is a pretty special prospect in his own right uh i think his mobility is really good um i think that unlike a guy like mitchell robinson he's flashed the ability to kind of pass on the short roll maybe take a dribble at the free throw line. Uh, this is something where uh, you know, Mitch doesn't have the best hands. And if you give him the ball at the free throw line, he can't really turn that into a scoring opportunity um, with like a few very, you know, few exceptions. Um, so that's what he gives you. I think like in terms of a ceiling, a lot of people say, you know, there's Robert Williams vibes from him where he's a switchable big, protect the rim. And on offense, he's not just a dunker, like not a shooter, um, but you know, there's people who buy the shot from Duran. That's not something I'm willing to bet on on his first contract. Yeah,
1: not not quite ready to to buy in on that. Yeah,
0: I think he was like a 60 percent free. Like I would, I don't really buy Mark Williams as a shooter, but I would be more willing to buy Mark Williams as a shooter than Duran. Um, uh, but Duran has that mobility. Um, and we've seen like what switch like, Mitch gained weight, and this year like he wasn't quite as switchable. Um, I think that's a little bit overstated. In the second half of the year, he got better at switching. But you saw what a guy like that can do in Jericho Sims. Um, You know, the Knicks were able to get very creative with him on defense. Um, Jericho Sims still has a lot of work to do as a rim protector, but um, their defensive rating was five points better with him on. Part of that might be he got to play with Grimes and McBride and like really tenacious defenders. So he's helped by that. But you could see he, for a 6'10 guy, moves extremely well. And that does have a lot of value. So if if they pick Duran, that's not my first pick. I think if they want help at the five, there's another guy I think who I would prefer, who we we'll talk about later. But uh, I think the talent is there, so it's not. Um, I I just I think that my thing would be if they're gonna let Mitch walk, I think to me that would be like all right, we realize that unless you're getting a star, like unless you're getting a top five player, my philosophy is top five to top eight in terms of a center, so like Jared Allen or Aiden mm-hmm. or someone like that. Like you can find like the top eight to 12 centers the difference in the top eight to 12 centers and like 15 to 20, isn't that much. And the guys who are 15 to 20 don't get paid that much. Like if we had to roll with JaVale McGee, Jericho Sims, and Todd Gibson, but we added like a promising wing in the draft or a three level score that or, or you know, use that money that we might've spent on, on, on Mitch on, you know, one of those types of players, I would be much more comfortable with that in terms of an allocation of resources. But if they think Durant has the upside to be like Bam, or if they have come from their development, that's, you know, then it's tough to, in the draft, it's tough to bet against this front office. So,
2: Yeah, that's that was a question I was going to ask too. Are you, just based on this, uh, the way this team has drafted, so this front office has drafted so far, are you just comfortable drafting in, with them picking at any pick at 11 or them trading up or trading down anywhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah. To answer your question. Yes. Um, I think that if there's an opportunity to trade down, they have Brock Aller. and we saw what they did even the first year, like moving. um, I don't like it was, they had eight and 27, but they moved 27 to 23 and then back to 25. And they got like an extra second round pick, which they turned into future second round picks. They're going to, he's going to do that on the edges. Um, And that, you know, for example, Jalen Williams is a guy that maybe they would want to trade down. I think they do like him a lot. Uh, Jalen, J-A-L-E-N from Santa Clara, not Jalen Williams from Arkansas, who I also like, by the way. But I think at the lottery, they'd be more likely to pick with Jalen with an E. Um, But yeah, I'm comfortable drafting wherever because um, I don't think they've missed on a pick. A lot of people will bring up taking Obi over Halliburton and Maxie, which I think is the closest they've come to a miss. Um, but even then, Obi's been very productive. And um, and the last thing I'll say is, they're in a better position now because when they came in, we had no young, our young talent was Frank Knox and Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson was a contributor. Knox had already looked every bit the part of a bust. Frank had some ability to stick, maybe in the role that he is in now in Dallas. But clearly, very li- they had they had very little young talent, so they needed to hit on those picks um obi i think was a guy who maybe didn't have the upside of Halliburton or Ma- Maxi's. i think weird because he went 21st so mm-hmm. um you know i think that they 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 needed to get contributors and they've done a great job of that grimes i think was another example right maybe got like bones highland at a higher upside than grimes but grimes has come in and you see what he brings they have all of these young guys and now they're in a position where like all right you don't need to ideally we wouldn't want to waste the 11th asset but you can take a home run swing And I'm curious to see if they approach it because they haven't taken a one and done, for example. They've never taken a one and done. They've taken one international prospect in which is
2: interesting considering they're the Kentucky Knicks and they've never Mm -hmm. taken a one and done prospect. That's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do, for what it's worth, I do think they were, if they had the opportunity to take Maxi, I think they would have taken him. Yeah, probably. Um, From what I've heard, they tried to trade up to get him. Um, like they were at 23. I think they would have stayed at 23 if he was going to be there. And I think they did try to, to jump the Sixers. So I think they liked both Maxine quickly, but they've only, they've also only taken a, one Kentucky guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested to see if that's a philosophy. Um, and partly because I think one and dying guys are probably a better bet in the top 10, but if you're in the twenties, you know, that's like a little bit more murky, right. That's probably where you want to go with a more established guy. So they've both been in the position of a really needing contributors to add young depth and B picking later in the draft. Whereas at 11, they're now in a position where they probably have more options where I'm curious if we'll see if that's a hardcore philosophy over there is like take multi-year players, take guys who you can, who you know are going to be contributors, but also have some upside versus taking a home run swing.
1: Um, Cause they haven't really taken one. And I I think one of the interesting things, I mean, I guess Obi kind of not in this category, but quickly and Grimes, they were both pretty like lower on most people's boards. Um, and I mean, you look at, what was it? The CBS grade on quickly was like D plus. I think we've all seen that screenshot a million times. I think quickly himself has retweeted that. Yes, right. <laughs> yes. Like that's Yeah, I feel like I've seen that a million times. Um, and then Grimes, I know a lot of people thought he was going to be like kind of an early second rounder. Um, so maybe not as egregious there, but I, I think that's a good sign. Um, you don't want, you don't ever want the front office taking guys like to prove a point and prove like, oh, look at how good we are at, you know, scouting talent. But I think those two picks right there show you that the Knicks pretty much seem like their their scouting department is doing a good job at kind of identifying these guys who other teams might be undervaluing or not, you know, looking at and figuring out like, okay, we think those guys can be. You know, whether whether or not they ever become stars or anything like that, it's one thing. But if you get good, solid players who it looks like quickly can be a starter in this league, looks like Grime has that potential. If you can get guys like that in the twenties, I mean that you know, that's a home run. There aren't many all-stars in every draft. Like when you get legitimate contributors, that's a win every time in my eyes.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also I'll go back to this. Like, I think that it's tough to say. It's also tough to know what they'll do with this pick because they, they've only been in the lottery once. Mm-hmm. And so do they view, like, you know, you can talk about skills. They seem to like pull-up shooters, right? Um, the only non-shooter they've drafted is Jericho Sims. Um, but even Obi was a 39% shooter, low volume in college, but he could shoot, he was versatile, right? Quickly pull-up shooter, Grimes pull-up shooter. Yoko Baitis, not quite that volume, but can shoot. Um, McBride was a shooter, and this is a hill I'll die on. If there are people who want to compare Deuce to Frank Milikina, watch the guy shoot. Watch his <laughs> tape. This is a shooter. This is a guy who took a lesser role, especially after he's out of the rotation. You look at his advanced analytics projections. The guy can shoot, but they, they love pull up shooters, right? Um, but they've also been maybe it, maybe that's the value in the 20s and 30s, right? Maybe like if you in the, if you're picking a twenty-five, are you better off taking a guy like Sharif Cooper who can get to the rim but can't shoot? Maybe they would say the guys they've taken are better all-around contributors and the pull-up shooting is is being undervalued there. But at eleven, it might be a different story, you know? So
2: Yeah, I think well, they need shooting anyway. I think they just need to keep adding shooters anyway. They're that's an important position in the right now. So adding adding sh- as much shooting as you possibly can is just something that Knicks need to do. That goes back to the, the Johnny Davis conversation, but you were, you were saying earlier that uh, there was another big guy you were interested in besides uh, Jalen Durant. Yeah. Who's the guy and is uh, that you were talking about earlier?
0: Yeah. And, and I'm not sure if Tibbs would play him at the five much, but I think you should. And that's Tari Eason. Um, so I, I think he can play the three of the four and the five. I think he can walk into the NBA and guard four positions and some fives. I think in time with more physical development, he's already very physically developed. I think he can guard five positions, which is very rare. And there's probably less than five guys you can actually say that about, but I think he has that potential and that probably gets overused and there's a good chance I'm wrong, but um, I mean, he is one of those guys when, you know, there's in football and basketball, you see this a lot, like guys walk off the bus and you're just like, wow. And that's what he seems like. Just a physical specimen, 6'8, 220, seven foot three wingspan, massive hands. Um, he is a very good athlete. He's not quite OB, but I think after OB and Sims, he'd be probably the best athlete on the team. Um, he has some ball handling ability. He's very right-hand dominant, but he's shown dribble moves. He's flashed a few pull-ups, although that's not really in his wheelhouse. Um, He has a little bit of a a weird-looking shot. It's a low release kind of from his right side, but he's improved tremendously. He was a terrible shooter as a freshman, and the results are not much you can argue with. He shot about 39% from three, 80% from the free throw line, Um, and he's turnover-prone, but he has the vision to make pretty solid passes. And on defense, he's a monster. I mean, advanced stats just pop off the page for this guy block rate close to seven steel rate over four uh his bpm was higher than chet holmgren's who is obviously possibly the number one pick in the draft and that is one reason a lot of people like chet holmgren um and by extension he's higher than guys like evan mobley who are also advanced stats monsters and he gives you that positional flexibility at the four and five and i could i would play him at the three too um and i mean like I think like there's a high floor in that he should be at the minimum an energy big combo forward, but you watch some of the things he can do like his his scoring per thirty six or, or sorry per hundred possessions was only topped in the in the draft, um, or at least the lottery prospects was by Keegan Murray, um, so people worry about his offensive game, but one thing he did was put the ball in the bucket, and. Um, and you see the skills and you see the touch. He has, he's developed a little bit of a floater game. The issue is, he's very right hand dominant, doesn't have a ton of pull up game. And a lot of his buckets come from like, like it, a cohesive, like he's going to break down a ball handler and, and run your offense through him. Like that, you haven't seen that. But the, a lot of that skill set is there. And I think the upside to do, be that kind of guy is there. Uh, he, he himself said, you know, right now he's similar to someone like Herb Jones. But he sees a ceiling as someone like Kawhi Leonard. And um that's I think a difficult projection for any <laughs> prospect. Yeah. Um, not least good, because Kawhi good confidence. Was, yeah, very confident. Well, he yeah. said he well, I think I think it actually was pretty But acknowledging that was a
2: ceiling. Acknowledging that yeah. Herb Jones is more like who he is now. It's yeah, better no, than saying I'm like Kawhi Leonard right now. Yeah, yeah he's saying that that shows... that's yeah, it shows that he's striving for that, right? Yeah, like,
1: exactly.
0: And that's what he could be. Um and Kawhi himself had Basley is one of the freakish development stories, maybe not quite on the le- like Giannis and Fakim are probably the two craziest mm-hmm. development stories ever. Um, but Kawhi, you know, was not a shoot three point shooter out of college and was mostly, but Kawhi was another guy who was seen as like a defensive wing and he's been that, but you know, the, the other part of it, obviously <laughs> yeah. changed completely yeah. a little bit that. more too. Yeah. Um, but I think even just you watch him play on tape and it's like, even like, I love Donnie Davis and I'd love to take him, but I watch Eason and I'm like, damn, if that guy was on our team, that, I mean, he looks like he could be a star. So, and does I think it- he would solve, like, if they, if Mitch does walk and you have Jericho and Taj and maybe sign a guy like JaVale McGee, if you want a five that can allow the Knicks to play five out, you see what Dallas is able to do. I think being able to play five out would add a lot to both quickly and especially RJ, right? Not having to deal with rim protectors you see what it does for Luca and Brunson. Um, I think that would allow the Knicks to give a different look, especially since for like, I do wish Tibbs played Randall and Obi together more, but um, I can see why he wouldn't play Obi at the center position. Not all, not as agile. You don't really want him in drop coverage. Uh, Eason can do those things and he's the same size as Obi. So
1: that's interesting because I, I, I think I, I, probably had Eason into this box of like a combo forward more so, um, or like a, you know, like a long freakish wing. But the more you kind of talk about like him as like that small ball five, and it's probably, I'm not thinking about it just because, as we said, Tibbs is hesitant to play that small ball. He likes having his big rim protector out there. But Eason as a, a possible small ball five is very intriguing with yeah. kind of the, the collection of players that the Knicks have now. Uh, that, I mean, I, and I've always, I've said this about, you know, I get why Tibbs likes having his rim protector. He likes playing from the inside out, building it from the paint and then getting out on shooters. Like I, I get where he's coming from, but I think it's much better to just kind of have that versatility where it's like, all right, if you want to play your two bigs, 48 minutes, that's fine. I get that. But there's going to be some games where it calls for, maybe we need to go a little bit smaller. Maybe we need to mix it up. Maybe we need to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I haven't really thought about Eason as that small ball five, but I, I kind of like it. I, I, I could see that. I could definitely see that working.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and to, to I'll say this about Tiz. I think he likes room protectors, but when he had Jericho in there, he got more creative defensively. When he has mm-hmm. a guy who can switch, like some of the most fun defensive lineups were like Deuce, Grimes, Cam. RJR quickly, and they could switch everything. They were ball-hawking guys with the agility to stay with guys. They played perimeter first and just heated up the ball, and they got out in transition, and I think he'd fit perfectly in that. And, you know, with Eason, I mean, he's very much, like if if Masai Jury, the Knicks' longtime nemesis, (laughs) um, (laughs) if he was picking around here, I think the two guys he'd be looking at, and who seem to fit very well with what they've built in terms of just this assembling line of 6'10 freakish athletic wings, he'd be looking at Eason, and he'd be looking at a guy like Jeremy Sohan. I personally think Eason is a lot more developed offensively, and I like his upside there more than Sohan, but Sohan also fits that mold of a guy who could probably be a small ball five as well as play on the wing,
1: so.
2: Well, we keep mentioning Tibbs, and how we know he's going to be the coach next year, but how much of an impact of Tom Thibodeau being the head coach do you think should have on who the team picks? Like, Tari Eason being a small ball five and Tom Thibodeau maybe not wanting to play a small ball five, should that mean that the Knicks should pass on him?
0: Uh, zero uh, impact to yeah. you answer your question. Yeah. Uh, and I will add that as much as Tibbs may not be willing to do that, it might just be an Obi thing because I really don't think mm-hmm. Obi is like, I personally... I'm not thrilled about the idea of him playing the five. I think they should have done it more with him and Randall because there's other things he brings. Randall
2: should have played the five. Like, yeah, I mean, Randall you can you the play five, one of them. He played the five in the because AD didn't want to. I never understood why they didn't have Randall play the five. He already had done it. It, it yeah. was, I don't know.
0: And if Mitch walks, maybe that's what they end up going to more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference, I think, in that is at least, I do think Tari provides more room protection than actually either of those guys for that matter um because he has the length of Obi, uh more athleticism than randall and he you can he can play drop he can move his feet um that's really i mean Obi can protect the rim just from a vertical standpoint it's more kind of the agility laterally so um but to answer your question no i don't think Tibbs should impact it um just because they have so much versatility and so much depth like if they loved ty ty washington I wouldn't be a fan of the pick, but if they see him as like this guy who can get to the rim a lot, like I would take that. I think he's too much similar to what the Knicks already have, but um, you know, they should take the best player available regardless of fit. Um, the guy who kind of gives them that star upside and, and what they're missing. And um, you know, and I, I think no matter what, there's such a log jam that really until Burks and Fournier and Nerland's Noel and those contracts they signed are gone no matter who they pick, is probably not going to have a big role next year, um, which is fine, you know. Um, If they have to do the Deuce McBride thing and play in the G League more, um, that's fine for a year. We have time. And then I think in a year, we'll probably clear more of those contracts out. Or maybe we end up trading some of the young guys as well for a star, like, you know, Donovan Mitchell or something. Mm -hmm. But either way, whoever we draft is probably not going to be a, a, a meaningful contributor into year two. I think that's probably the mindset they should go in with.
1: And I think that's why taking taking a guy who's maybe more of a home run swing, like you kind of, we've we've been talking about here, makes sense because you don't need to have a home run in year one. If he's, you know, a stud in year two, then that's perfect. So you can kind of take a chance on a guy who you might think might need a little more time to develop. Um, and I guess just while we're on the Eason thing, I'm looking up his hand size right now. Yeah. He had, the, it looks like he, if you go the hand length and hand width, he had the biggest hands in the draft because he's nine point two five length it's... and then eleven on width. So he's he's got some big hands.
0: Yeah, eleven was the width. Um, by the way, not to uh, not to plug too much, but um, Presidente had a good um, article, a uh, good profile on the Strickland on Tariezen today, which I recommend reading. But He's at eleven. Uh, for comparison's sake, Kawhi Leonard was eleven point two five. So mm-hmm. and Kawhi has massive hands. So
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like Kawhi with the hands is like one of those, uh, you know, like Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's uh, one of those things. That I feel like we've heard about, but yeah, Easton, I mean, monster athletically. If he could turn into half of what Kawhi is, um, I think that would be a Obviously great pick for the Knicks. Um I guess now is there anybody like kind of I'm looking at my board here, kind of hit on some of these. What are you guys' thoughts? And I guess um this is one guy who I just I know I've seen him mock to the Knicks a few times. What are you guys' thoughts of uh Benedict Matherin out of Arizona?
2: I like him, but I, I don't have him ahead of like Davis or like, well, I guess ahead of Duran, but I would just, I think him and uh, Davis are probably both going to be there and I would take Davis ahead of him. I even like, uh, I know Dana, I know you have Malachi Branham pretty low on your board from Ohio State, but I would take Malachi ahead of him too. You think and I so? know that might be pretty controversial because I know a lot of Knicks fans love Matherin. I don't know how you feel about him, Stacy, but I, I don't know maybe it's cuz I watched a lot more cuz the Pac-12 was on so freaking late but I really like Branham and I I don't know Mathrin is going I'm not saying he's not going to be like really good or anything I just would. T- there's other guys I would take over him
0: Yeah I I I like Mathrin or sorry I like Branham a lot um I do like Mathrin but um yeah on Branham um Despite the fact that he went to Ohio State, yeah, yeah, I don't like
2: Ohio. I don't like Ohio State. Well, honestly, who does the football? The football is the problem.
0: But I, I, I like both their. I like Liddell and uh, Branham, actually quite mm-hmm. a bit. And for what it's worth, they also seemed, again, despite being more guys, mm-hmm. uh, like very personable in their like, like the Mike Schmidt interviews. So like cool personalities. Mm-hmm. Branham, I thought about putting over Davis to be honest. Um wow. he's very young. Uh, he brings that three level scoring. It's tough to not. Be reminded of Chris Middleton when you watch him play. Um, you know, he has the length to shoot over guys. He has that mid range game. I think he's, you watch Malachi Branham handle post double teams. And if you've watched Julius Randle for an entire season, it's like, because <laughs> oh, <you> <laughs> he anticipates he's a very, he's an underrated passer. Um, he doesn't pop as much. I think Johnny Davis is probably a slightly better athlete. And Branham should have been a better defender. That could also be similar to Duke, Ohio State both lack talent and also for like the last two seasons just hasn't prioritized defense um not least because they go small anyway with Liddell at the five often and in the big 10 you're basically conceding that we're not going to stop Kofi Coburn or Hunter Dickinson or last year Luka Garza so you're not going to be good on defense no matter what but uh I would like to see more impact from Brandon there uh, I do want to ask you about Duran because I realized I talked and we kind of moved a lot on that. So, Chip, I know you're a little bit higher on Duran, so I'd want to ask you about that. But um, kind of on Matherin, I've gone back and forth. Um, I think that today I was reading more about it him and I'm a little bit more comfortable taking him. I wouldn't take him over Johnny. I would take him over Branham. And here's why. Um, first of all, he really does bring special shooting. Uh, he would, I think, walk mm-hmm. into the Knicks and be up there with Grimes and Fournier in terms of oh. shooting ability okay. uh, and the versatility, uh, movement shooting, pull-up shooting. He has all of that. Uh, he has a very quick first step. Uh, he has good passing vision. Um, weird. The, it, there's two things that give me pause about Matherin. One, he, his ball handling isn't there. So if you really wanted to see his full potential, he needs to work on that, and that's going to take a few years um it's a little similar to jalen brown i think out of college the other thing is that for all his tools there were certain stats where it was like "Huh, oh, why isn't he having more impact one of those is getting to the rim um he is a above the rim athlete he has good body control and good touch but i think if you look at unassisted rim attempts for, for 40, which is a good metric for guards he had less than two, um, not attempts, makes. per for 40, he had less than two, which isn't great for a primary ball handler. You'd like to see him in the higher twos. I think for, retro, for you, know, uh, you know, there's, there's other guards with, with a lot more. Johnny Davis, I think, was over three. Um, and the other thing is, like, if you look at kind of his defensive rebounding, his steal rate, block rate, and defensive advanced stats, he didn't have a ton of impact. On defense, I wasn't super impressed with him. I think he has a good motor but he often got lost off ball. Um, he, he sometimes had some really great awareness, so I think it might be just a focus thing because I don't think he has bad feel or anything. But um, I would have liked the impact to be higher. Overall, though, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable betting on him being something like a Norm Powell or something like those kind of guys. A scorer who can hold up on defense, do more than just shoot. Um, and then the question is, how much more upside is there? If the handle improves, is that a guy who can take a heavy on-ball load, both as a pick-and-roll ball handler as well as an isolation scorer? Um, I think that's going to be two or three years away. But the Knicks could do a lot worse than Benedict Matherin. Um, and you'll take Norm Powell at 11. If he mm-hmm. turns into Norm Powell, you'll be very satisfied yeah, yeah. with that, I think. And so, and I think the, a lot of these guys, I said the same thing about Eason. A lot of them have pretty good – like we kept talking about Kawhi with Eason, but – that's like a 99th percentile outcome. And he doesn't need to be that to be a pretty good pick. Like, his med- like those, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys who talked about their median outcomes are good, including Duran. Um, so, I do want to go back to him, Chip. Um, what um, what really, and if you want to tell me that I was wrong about kind of me limiting his ceiling or whatever, that's fine too. But what excites you at Duran?
2: Well, I love, I love, I'm a Duke fan. So, I love Mark Williams. And I was really high on him in the Duke homer. And he was like, we got to take Williams. Mm-hmm. We got to take Williams. <laughs> And I understand why people are, are so low on him. There's, there's stuff to be skeptical about, but like you're talking earlier about stuff that pops with people when you just wash them. And I just feel like with Duran, yeah, he's so like his shot blocking his athleticism. And I know you said you don't, you don't buy the shot. I just feel like there's more to him than just, and I kind of feel this way about Mark too, but there's more to him than just being able to roll to the rim and dunk. Like I've seen, like it's, it's a small, small sample size of post moves. I know that. And the floater, I know that, but it just looks good. Yeah. Like, and he's look, most of it, I feel like he can come in and do pretty much not as well as what Mitch does, but I think he can become what Mitch is. Yeah. And I, I just, maybe it's frustration over Mitch not becoming the player that we thought he was going to be. And you know, not wanting to give $50 million to Mitch. That's on top of that, but you wouldn't give know, him
0: 50 over four years,
2: 50 over four years. Yeah. I, I'm nervous honestly about committing to him not long-term that much about paying, paying him that money. And then, and then seeing where he goes after that, why you would be, you would sign up four years, 52 for Mitch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with the cap going up and look, I think he's a top 10 to 12 center. If I wasn't going to do that, I would rather go, the JaVale McGee route, unless I get a center that could be a lot more than that. So um, and that's what's interesting about both Durin and, you know, we, we can talk about Mark Williams a little bit because um, the Knicks drafting is mostly led up by uh, a guy by the name of Walt Perrin, mm-hmm. who famously, yes, at pick 21, drafted um, Rudy Gobert who Mark Williams has the same standing reach as, uh, I believe it was something like 7'2 and 7'7 seven, seven wingspan or something like that, 7'8. <laughs> um, he is outlier big. We're not talking about Mitchell Robinson big. We're talking about much bigger. He's a giant. He's massive. big. And it showed up in his block rate. Um, I'm worried about him being strictly a drop big. Um, but he, he also he improved his free throw shooting, 72%. I mean, it'd be nice to see him. It, every time there's a lob and Mitch gets fouled, just like, man, that's almost like a turnover is not a good feeling. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, you'd have less of that with Mark Williams. Um, he would probably off the one reason I would say if you were to pick Williams over Duran, I think off the bat, he gives you rim protection. Um, that I'm not sure. I think Duran, because he is a little bit smaller, it's going to take more time. Duran, the ceiling, I think, is higher, but Williams is probably going to walk in and be able to plug that hole if the Knicks lose Mitch. Um, let's talk about – and also what I'll ask you about Williams is do you think there's, like, room for him to be maybe a Mo Bamba type in terms of just being able to, like, if you leave him wide open,
2: take an open three? The three? I I don't know if he's – what what was Mo? Mo was, like, 38% maybe this year. I Maybe we're getting ahead of – Mo was 38% on, like, pretty good volume.
0: So I, I don't um, – oh, he was 38 you were looking at his stats recently, weren't you? Four, <laughs> four, four shots a game. You're right. Chip a big, checks the big, magic.
2: He, he checks the magic stats every day. I'm a big Mo Bomba guy. Not cards on the table. I'm. Is I'm that ready. someone
0: you would target
2: this uh, I I would. I would. You were talking about Javale McGee. That's Mo. I get would cost a little more than Javale, but that's more of a uh, sign that I would go towards if they pass on both bigs and let Mitch walk. I think that's safer. Yeah. I'm not sure. Again, we go back to Tibbs. How Tibbs would feel about him, but. I think he is a pretty, you know, and he's also younger. Maybe you could get more out of him, but I would lean towards Mo for sure if they pass on these guys. Um, But as far as Mark goes, yeah, I think the improvement in the free throw percentage, I think he can maybe not necessarily be a 38% shooter, but I think he can get out there and, you know, be like maybe like a, a burke lopez three not like 32 33 percent free throw shooter something like that i don't want to go go and say from from not taking any threes at all to all of a sudden he's become gonna become a 38 percent three-point shooter i i think maybe league average that you hope but it's it's a stretch to say to say Mobamba. but i don't know I, i'm high on him obviously i'm biased too but I just, you saw the development from last year to this year where you didn't even really know this year if he was going to get consistent or be like the starter for sure because that's how it works there. And he just came in and was great. And I don't know. I think there's more to him too when he comes into the NBA. Well, it it all depends on who drafts him. Just like with Duran. it depends on who drafts him with centers. So we'll see. They may just ask him to come in and not shoot at all. And it may not matter.
1: That's yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't see either guy really turning into like Mo yeah. Bamba with the shot. Um, but I, I think both guys are gonna turn into like that prototypical rim running center who can defend the paint on one end and then give you some kind of uh vertical gravity kind of in the post and above the rim, which I think that really just comes down to like how do you value that player? Um, goes back to the argument about like JaVale McGee. Like, is that a player that you're willing to take a lottery pick on a guy like that or is that something you think you can get that same production elsewhere Because i think it's mean, be... probably
0: going to cost a mint right now he mm-hmm. might take a minute yeah. to go to you know stay in phoenix or go to golden state where he'll get more of a chance at a ring that's i think my argument is like those mm-hmm. guys are like another guy we haven't talked about is isaiah hartenstein who i don't know if it's hartenstein or hartenstein
2: i guess yeah, I don't know. Makes... i've heard it heard it both ways so
0: Maybe I'm exposing myself as a casual. Someone had tweeted this, and I <laughs> no. felt very seen, about Jeremy Sohan, whose name is spelled like mm-hmm. Sochan. Yeah. So you're like, man, you could tell who hasn't watched when they say Sochan. I think he was talking about like Schmitz or Givany, which is less forgivable for them than me, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, i definitely made that mistake.
2: Before. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh. Um, but I think on the rim-running thing, I think with Duran or Williams, if you do take them there, I think at least the Robert Williams stuff, the passing – you know, um, Chip kind of talked about this with the floater, like doing more than, like, it
1: doesn't have to be mm-hmm. shooting threes. Then doesn't have to be being yeah, Omaba or passing um, something else. Just you need to add, like, one extra Mitch, Outside facet.
2: two feet away from the hoop, Mitch doesn't really give you anything offensively. Yeah. So that's the thing.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I'm higher than Mitch on a, a lot, not least because I think he makes up for some of the offensive shortcomings with, uh, with the offensive rebounding. Uh, because he is not a good offensive rebounder he's probably Mm -hmm. two or three in the league um so um you know that's but I, i hear you and i think that being able to go five out especially for a guy like um rj we'll see what happens with Randall, but he would benefit from that too you know that's um that's a look you'd love to give them and if it's not five out a big who doesn't allow you to just collapse into the paint right but at the free throw line is a threat so both actually making free throws when he gets fouled but also yeah he gets the ball yeah yeah.
2: You know, yeah. Him, yeah him his free throw shooting is a killer it really is just knowing that when he goes to the line he's going to miss one of them it's but i don't want to i don't want to trash mitch i don't want it to sound like i am a mitch hater or anything i Chip, just number no, I mean, one he, mitch he's, hater yeah yeah I
0: think, they took him at the second round that's one of yeah. the most successful draft mm-hmm. picks certainly before this front office got here um, he's. I think he's a good player and above average center with pretty obvious limitations. Um, I do want to, Danny. You brought up Matherin, um, so I do want to kind of give you a chance to talk about him. How do you? Because like this, there's a glut of wings, which is this a lot is part of, wings, of the reason. Yeah. There's this is part of the reason why I want I don't want the Knicks to take Williams or Duran. It's not necessarily something against them as prospects, mm-hmm. but it seems like we've like we we drafted Cleanthony Anthony early. Um, and oh, we man. haven't, we haven't had, like, we drafted, uh, you know, when guys like Michael Bridges, Miles Bridges, and Shea Gildas Alexander on the board, we took a guy we hoped would be a freakish long wing and it didn't work out. We definitely don't need to trash Kevin Knox here, but, um, it just seems like those kind of guys are never available. If they're available, it's a, it's a player with glaring flaws, right? Even a guy like Evan Fournier, we paid him 18. Everyone cries about that contract. That's market. Good
2: contract. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. contract. That's market market for for yeah. what he is.
0: And, and yet, um, he has flaws in his game. The kind of wing that can shore up things on defense and be a plus on offense, and is like six seven plus. Um, it's just so tough to find. Um, and that's whereas I think centers who can give you at least seventy five percent of what a guy like Mitch can give you are much easier to find. Um, and we have we're in a position in the draft where we actually have a bunch of those guys. The last time we were this high in the draft, I did want Devin Vassell. Uh, I also, I mean, my top guy was Killian Hayes, which doesn't look so great in hindsight. I was like, high on him too. A, lot, a lot of people
2: yeah. wanted him. Yeah. A lot of people wanted
0: But another guy was Devin Vassell, and a lot of people at the time were like, yeah, this is this 6'7", long-ass wing who can shoot. Um, And we have a bunch of those guys, not all of them. Sohan can't shoot, for example, but that's part of the reason. And I think Matherin is – in that he's not freakishly long. He's actually not that much bigger than Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he gives you some of those attributes. What um what do you think about Davis? Uh Danny.
1: I or, sorry, not Davis Mather. <laughs> Mather, yeah, I yeah, know you're going Matthew. with that. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan, I'm very, very high on him. And I think it's honestly probably biased since I kind of like started I watched a little bit of Arizona early in the year. Now I don't watch a ton of Pac-12. But I knew he was like kind of a riser. I was like, I was like, I want to pay attention to this guy. I think kind of, I'll start with the bad, I guess, the defensive stuff think you guys kind of hit on it a little bit. Like he has these lapses where you're like, man, he should be better. Like he should be doing more on that end. And I think part of it is that he just kind of relies on his athleticism a little bit too much. Um, like you'll see him make these crazy blocks from the the backside and, you know, he just like jumps through the rim or through the gym and like makes these crazy plays. And I think sometimes he might just rely on that a little too much. Um, but then offensively I could see him becoming, uh, big-time three-level scorer, if he can kind of hone that mid-range game, get a little bit better about getting to the cup and using that athleticism. But I think the thing that really pops for me is just he can knock down threes, and he's not a guy who can, like, oh, just stick him on as, like, a spot-up shooter. Like, he could pull-ups in transition. Uh, He could come off stagger screens. He could stand in the corner, and he could hit that shot. Like, he can do anything that you want to ask a three-point shooter to do. Um, And I think – there's a lot of guys who can knock down open threes when no one's covering them. I think Matherin is one of those guys who can knock down open threes in so many different variety of ways that for me, he's somebody who just stands out um, among like a lot of these wings just for, for that reason alone. Um, Cause obviously every team shoots a ton of threes, even the Knicks now, uh, getting a guy who you could basically just any, any way you want. Um, I think he's a little bit similar to Fournier in that, um, although Fournier was a little bit more of a spot-up guy than maybe in previous years uh, when he was running off some of those staggers. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super, super high on Matherin. Um, I think, you know, he's not perfect. There's some things he's got to work on, kind of like his playmaking chops, which I think bleeds into that ball-handling argument. Like, he's just got to be a little bit stronger with it when he's creating and attacking and trying to create for others. I think he needs to be a little bit stronger with the ball there. But I, I, I see very high upside with, like, a, a very high floor as well just because he can, he can shoot the three.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a little – one other thing. On, on the um, – not so much ball handling, but getting to the rim, you mentioned that, and I agree. I think that's something you would have liked to see him do more. How much do you think that was affected by Arizona playing nah, – Now, Arizona absolutely should have played two bigs. They had a lot of talent there but they played two bigs. The spacing wasn't ideal mm. for someone like him to showcase being able to get to the rim. How much do you think that played a factor versus you know, maybe ball handling limitations or maybe even a, a
2: mentality thing?
1: I think, I mean, obviously like definitely when you have two guys, go- two bigs in there, it, it, it really kind of like mucks things up for a guy like Matherin for him using his athleticism. Uh, but I also don't want to completely let him off the hook because he is so much talent, so much more talented than, you know, 99% of the guys that he stepped on the floor with in college that it's like, he, yeah, there's two bigs. Yeah. it can get a little crowded in there, but he should have been doing a little bit more there. So like, I don't want to completely let him off the hook, but also, you know, for me, who's somebody who's very high on him, I would like that to be the case where like he gets to the next level. Um, there's a little bit more space uh, on the floor and he could kind of showcase his ability to get to the rim and, really use that athleticism. I hope that's the case. Um, and I, I do think that he's going to figure it out at some point, once he kind of develops a little bit more, gets that ball handling a little bit tighter. Uh, but I think just the fact that he can shoot that three and he can do so many different things there. Um, I don't know, like, I feel like high floor saying that about guys is sometimes almost like a backhanded compliment because you're like, kind of maybe underrating their, their ceiling. But I think just kind of the skills the athleticism um the three-point shooting right now is why I'm, I'm i would i would definitely take a chance on him if i were the knicks at 11 and he falls there um i would i would actually i would love that pick he might he might even be my like if if we're going to talk about like your i don't want you i mean perfect draft scenario i think for all of us would be if you know smith or holmgren or ben Caro fell to the knicks but like Obviously, not going to happen. The perfect, like, realistic scenario for me, I think Matherin is is definitely up there in the conversation for me.
0: Yeah, and he has. I mean, personality is not something you want to put too much into, but you know, watched his interview with Schmitz. Uh, he's trained with RJ Barrett, so mm, I think yeah, they have a another Canadian. Um, and he seems to have kind of a, a very quiet confidence, but he has like that swagger. He's a personal guy. Um, You saw that donkey in the tournament. Uh, I mean, imagine that at Madison Square Garden. Oh my God, yeah. Um, So he definitely has that it factor as well.
2: Sure, for sure. But you were talking about dream scenarios, Danny, and Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted to talk about the possibility of trading up. And it's going to be hard to get into like the top four, probably even the top five. But I think like the top six, seven, six, seven, and eight I think seems possible, maybe not nine, but Pacers at six, Blazers at seven, Pelicans at eight is, is all going to be possible. What do you, Stacey, what do you think about the possibility of trading up, giving up assets and to trade up?
0: Yeah. Um, so one trade that's been talked about a lot is Portland. Um, I, somebody was saying today, I don't know if this is, can be sourced, but, um, the I forget his name, and I apologize for this. But the host of Lockdown Blazers came on Lockdown Knicks. He was saying that he could see the the Blazers being interested in Randall for the seventh pick, without the eleventh pick. Um, wow. I think that NBA trade report I think reported something to the same effect, which it's not verified, and yeah, uh, take that with uh, buckets of salt. But <laughs> um, you know that would I would do that in a heartbeat, and I, I I'd say this I would do that in a heartbeat and root for Damon randall to to do really well of course Um, i don't Mm. um i don't really have a will towards randall i think i would like to see the next move in a different direction that's a separate thing in terms of guys no doubt about it i would trade up for there's four um i think they're the consensus top four the consensus top three and ivy ivy is a guy who i would love on the Knicks. um there's a guy who's fifth who's very close i do think some of the stuff with him not working out is a little bit shady because he hasn't played in a year that's shade and sharp yeah and then the guy who's like that borderline, would I trade up for him? There's two. I think I would put Griffin in there if the Knicks are comfortable with the medicals. Um, and then Keegan Murray is, is a, I actually just put out a piece on the Strickland about Keegan Murray. I, on the one hand, he's another guy who's high floor, but that's shouldn't just be backhanded compliment elite score. Um, like Eason, it's like, you know, yeah, you can say, well, can he get buckets at the NBA? Does he, he doesn't, does he have a bag? Screw the bag. He scored a ton. Uh, transition spot-ups, um, you know, post-ups. Um, he also gives you some of that flexibility. I don't know if he's quite as, like, brolic as Azen and Long as you'd, like, want him to play a small ball five. But for the really creative coach, you can see that in time. A um, little bit older, but he, him and Griffin are, like, if the Knicks are into it, if the front office buys in, it's worth it. But after that, even Johnny Davis, I'm not sold on using assets to trade up for him. Like if it's Randall to get the seventh pick, sure. If it's Randall to trade up the seventh again, Davis is close to that category of like if the Knicks office front office is sold. But like that's probably my line. Like I'm not trading up. I'm probably not trading up for Matherin. Probably wouldn't trade up for Eason. Um, you know, at I, I, like past those first five or six guys, uh, and and Griffin, depending on the Knicks evaluation of his athleticism and ability to regain it um i would probably just stand pat and know that we're going to get a a pretty good player at 11 because i do think that's going to be the case
1: yeah i'm i'm torn on on trading up for you know a lot of the same reasons i have smith holmgren bancaro and then ivy um i think those top three maybe like a a bit higher than ivy but i think those four are kind of like I think almost at this point, yeah, the consensus like top four in the draft. Shaden Sharp is interesting. Like, I mean, if the Knicks really fall in love with them, and he falls a little bit, and you can trade up to a seven, eight, you know, not something like that, and get him, I think it would be an aggressive move. And I would almost, I would say, I would like to see just kind of the, um, I don't know, I guess the uh, the ambition to to go out and try and get a guy that you think can be a franchise changer. But yeah, I mean, you guys know I love Mather and I like a lot like Griffin, Daniels, Johnny Davis. There's a lot of guys in this draft I like, but I don't know if I would really go up and trade everything to get them. I think if you if one of those top four guys were to fall and they could figure it out and then maybe the shade and sharp just on the like those kind of that interesting situation of if the Knicks love them, too. But I think from basically five to you know 15 16 17 on the board i think you get you can you have options so it's you don't have to give up assets to move up because if somebody takes johnny davis then it's like all right well now griffin might fall somebody takes griffin all right well maybe now dyson daniels is there maybe they like him so i i think there's too many guys who are kind of in that same range for me where i don't think it would make sense to uh to give up assets just to move up to get somebody. Um, But yeah, that, that being said, if they could trade Randall for the seventh pick um, and then, you know, fill in the gaps around that to make the money work, I'd be all for that.
0: It would be worth it. Even if Eric Bledsoe plays 30 minutes and quickly still is only playing 18. (laughs) If We get the seventh pick for Randall. I'll, I'll bite my, I'll grip my teeth through that. Um, It's also interesting. Like, It's also what you like, what's the price? So, to move Mm -hmm. up to seven, if it's that, like if it's at seven and you could get even a guy like Davis, if you have to give up the Dallas 23 pick, that's probably as far as I'm comfortable going for like a non top four. Um, you know, using that pick, if we're trading into the top four, uh, let's say Sacramento is interested,
2: there was a report about that, that they may be wanting to move that. Jake Fisher reported it too, so it's a legitimate report. You would
0: think it would be. Like, I don't think I'm willing to, ch- like, that's the thing. There are people who would be like, i trade quickly if it gives us a chance at Ivy.
2: Ideally, you want the two of them playing together. Though, yeah. So I don't know about that.
0: But I also don't see, I think, I mean, it's a Vivek, so who knows? But I don't see Sacramento moving that pick without either, like, pretty s- weakly protected first in the future mm-hmm. or RJ, one of RJ quickly. I don't even know if OB, I don't think OB is enough to, to get that done. So. Yeah. No. I get probably at least one of RJ or quickly. Would you guys do that to get to
1: the top four? Not RJ quickly. No. I would have to think about it. Cause like chip said, pairing quickly and Ivy together to me is very intriguing. Um, But giving up quickly to move up, it's it's, it's tough cause you don't want to be like a, you know, prospect hugger, you know, like just be obsessed with the young guys and overvalue the young guys. I think, too many people do that when they get kind of like just locked into you know one team like we kind of are um because you got to give up good players to get good good you know draft picks or players whatever it is uh but that would be a tough one for me
2: yeah we talked on Knicks fan tv we talked about trading up a boatload of picks to get to go up and get Jaden Ivey and I, I was like yeah let's let's do I would absolutely do that and I forget who the the prospect was to trade, but it it wasn't quickly. I, I'd just be so. I want quickly to be as much as I like Tyus. I want quickly to be the starting point guard next year. Mm-hmm. And I would love if if Ivy were playing with him. Tyus, not Brunson. Yes, I prefer Tyus. The Brunson. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know that's not the the popular. No, one. there's there's yeah. a lot of um. I mean,
0: there's were terrific there. with. There are those who make the case. I think it overstates it. That, oh boy, yeah. That I the know. Grizzlies work better with Tyus instead of another <laughs> point just... guard. Um but um but that said he is obviously very talented and good and a good floor general.
1: I love Brunson. I just don't think he's I don't think Dallas is gonna let him out of their their clutches now that they've gone, you know, this far and I mean, we'll see what happens tonight. But
2: no, oh, that's what Cuban's implying right now. It doesn't yeah. mean he's going to be willing to pay all that money. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money that he's going to have to pay. So, Oh, well, yeah. I, I don't know. And also Brunson may want to come to New York anyway and come to Yeah. I mean, he's, UFA.
1: he's not, he's yeah. not locked into anything there. Exactly. Um, so I guess, I guess I'll just move it into a uh, kind of like a final segment here. Um, we kind of talked about guys we like at this point. Um, but I guess we'll go down the line and we'll say who if you had to say right now, which I'm sure this is going to change for myself. I know that. But sure, as the draft comes closer, we'll we'll be changing this. Who is your prediction to go to the Knicks right now at 11 or I mean, I don't know if you, you think they're going to trade up, trade down, like essentially just who, what is what is your prediction for Knicks at 11 right now? Uh, I guess we'll start with with our guest, Stacy. You go ahead and then chip. And I guess I'll uh, I'll have a minute here to, to think over my answer.
0: If he's available, Davis. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. If he's available, Davis um, or Griffin, more likely I would say Matherin.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, no, I was just going to say Davis just because we've already seen it kind of start to build. Uh, and look, Griffin, Griffin could be the pick too, but I think it's more likely Davis I'm going to go with. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: I, and he's more likely to fall than Griffin. And, yeah, um, but I think Matherin is the most likely to fall out of those three, and I do think the Knicks will take him over guys like Eason or, or one of the bigs.
2: Oh, you do? Why do you think Matherin's the most likely to fall out of those three guys? <sighs>
0: um, Davis has a ton going for him. Um, I think I could see him as a pick for most of the top teams. A little more oomph or projectable outcome as a scorer, which most of those mm. teams need, uh, and defense. Uh, and then Griffin, I think he was talked about top five, top six for most of the year things change, but I don't think they're going to change that much. Um, and Matherin, I think, yeah, like, I think Jonathan Wasserman had him all the way down at 13. So I think he was another guy that was a victim of, you know, looked good in the, in, like, it's not that he looked bad, but other guys impressed so much. Like, Like a guy, he had Dyson Daniels at five. I don't know if I buy that yet, but. I think Daniels has risen above where he was. Um, and I think a couple of those guys are going to push. Branham's
2: moving up too. That mm-hmm. could hurt him too.
0: Yeah, Branham could move up. Mm-hmm. Um, good measurables and all that. So, uh, And like some of those guys have more of the three-level scoring. Like, I think you, you, you did a great job of talking about it, Danny, where it's like, it's definitely there for Matherin, but we just haven't seen it as much as some of these other guys. And I could see that pushing him down.
1: Yeah, and I guess this won't make the most uh, exciting kind of uh, (laughs) outro, but uh, yeah, I I have and take my mock drafts with a grain of salt. I'm not like, uh, you know, Schmitz and all these guys who are doing this year round, but I have Matherin going to the Knicks at 11 uh, in my latest mock, which I think I still will stick to that as of right now. Um, I could see, I mean, I could see a lot of these, like Griffin, Davis, Matherin. I could see the three of them, I could see any of them slipping to the Knicks where it makes sense to go there. But then on the, on the other hand, I could see, you know, a team kind of higher up falling in love, you know, maybe the Pacers really like Griffin's three point shooting and his, you know, athleticism upside. Uh, I think we're still kind of in that awkward stage of where we don't really know exactly uh, where everybody's going to go. I mean, because Chip and I have talked about this before, but you know, a few years ago when the Knicks were picking Kevin Knox, two or three weeks before that, it was like Bridges was the guy. It was like, oh, the Knicks are, that Bridges is going to be the guy. And that changed. (laughs) So, yeah. So I think that's just my, uh, you never know. Hopefully this
0: turns out better than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully they get Bridges instead of Knox, which whoever Bridges is in this draft, whether it's Matherin or Griffin. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's, we're still, I think we're still a little bit ways away. We still have like kind of a long way to go. I know you guys just, to touch on it on the way out almost you guys are high on Branham and I think I have to uh I have to dig into him a little bit more because it seems like he's uh he's really flying up people's boards uh so yeah for for myself I know I gotta gotta still do a little bit on this uh leading into the draft but hey we're we're not we're not uh we're not in that front office our jobs aren't on the line for who we pick so it's a little bit more fun for us to to debate this and talk about it and uh and have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Stacy. Um, do you have any anything you want to plug uh, kind of on the way out here? Uh, I know Pod Strickland, you guys have been doing some great stuff there. And the Strickland, I know just every day you guys have great stuff coming out, especially this time of year with the draft.
0: Yeah, no, uh, really, thanks for having me on. Uh, a lot of fun to, to catch up with you guys. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at StacyPatton89. Uh, so I do write for the Strickland and I do pod Strickland. Um, I do one episode with Poo. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit of the ice to his fire. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to us. That makes sense. <laughs> um, and I also actually host a pod with Matthew Miranda, who is a far more talented writer than me, uh, who's also writes for Strickland, but we do the Believe Nicks podcast. Um, and the only other thing I'll plug is our draft coverage. Um, like you mentioned, um, and, um, the, the best person to follow for all that is Presidente, um, just lives, breathes and sleeps draft stuff. I know he has a very demanding job, completely unrelated to the NBA draft, and yet he finds a lot of time to do all of this. Um, but, um, Presidente, uh, draft film school, Alex, also very Knicks focused. but just mm-hmm. the Strickland, we're going to have a lot of stuff coming out on the draft. So, uh, keep an eye out for all that.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And if you guys made it this far uh, into our draft talk here, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of the next State of Mind podcast.